everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story. From celebrities to car personalities to others in the car industry to just others who have really cool car stories. I'm Randy Crudoon. It's a most unusual Model A custom we've ever seen. The owner of Rodriguez joins Bob Beck and myself as we talk about how he acquired it and why it's now for sale. Bob, by the way, with the Great American Auto Scene, or GAS, G-A-A-S. But first, we've all heard of off-road races, but starting Thursday, October 11th, the day this podcast is uploaded, is the start of a process of a unique kind of off-road race, where all the competitors are women, and being a veteran driver or navigator isn't necessarily a requirement, although it doesn't hurt to have all that. Southern California residents Deborah Najim and Lori Malott are sisters. So, Deborah, tell me, what's this race all about? The Rebel Rally, pronounced Rebel, uh, is a 1,200-kilometer, 1,200-mile, sorry, uh, off-road adventure designed specifically only for women. We start up in Lake Tahoe, and then we traverse our ways through the Nevada desert, and we finish in Glamis, California. But throughout the rally, we are seeking out 20, 20 to 25 checkpoints per day and being scored on those checkpoints. But the caveat is the only way we can find these checkpoints is with a compass and a map. There is no GPS. There is no positioning. There is no technology. And we are not what? on our phones. What? <laughs> How are you able to do that? And we have no self. We have no, no Thomas guides, no, no nothing. You Thomas guys are rough. Thomas guides would not would not be legal because they're they would be too zeroed in. But yes, and they're so Thomas antique will, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe those. those past desert if there is any. Yeah. yeah. No. But yeah, just the maps. Um, the maps are scaled uh, to 125, 125. Wait, Usually fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. We just use plotters and we use a compass and we use our paper maps that are provided to us by the rally. And then we do this over a course of seven days. So we are seven days unplugged, uh, not connected to our phones, not connected to the internet, and you and doing off-road stuff, all women. Okay, I got to ask you this, just from a normal person standpoint, what's that like being off the grid for eight days in the middle of the desert driving, Lori? Well, being that this will be my first time, uh, I decided to join Deb, my sister. Is it scary? Is the prospect scary? For me, it is. I, I really haven't disconnected that long. Uh, I, I work and I get 200 emails plus a day, phones dinging, alarms and everything. And the scary part isn't being off the grid. I think the the hesitation was I'm not connected, um, especially with my kids. Um, I'm connected with them every day. And so they don't get to FaceTime me. Usually I do a work trip and we could still connect at night. Um, But this time we won't be able to. So I think that that's a big adjustment. You were talking, Deborah. it's almost like orienteering. Is that basically what it is where you're out there and you're trying to find your location by looking at the stars and all that? Uh, Not the stars. Um, I'm actually the navigator. Deb's the driver. So I have to tell her exactly where we're going. And so I've had to learn the the maps, um, the topography of the maps, the contour lines, figuring out exactly where we're going. Uh, We do get a terror trip. So it tells you the distance you're going, but that's as a bird flies. So if we map it, we could be off. So I have to make estimations. Uh, use my eyes, look at different peaks, different degree headings, and uh, get the truck to where we need to be. And I anticipate that we're going to need to have incredible communication. Um, so we've already had some precursor talks of what that might look like. And um, being that we know each other, it's to our advantage. And then uh, 
if we get in a jam, we've already discussed what that'll look like. When I frustrate you, what do I need to say? And when she frustrates me, <laughs> what, what do we need to say? And I'm like, it's coming from a place from love. Just believe that. <laughs> no pressure on you at all, though, no, is there? No, no, no. No, not at all. Okay, so Deborah, you're the one that has experience at this. Let's start first off, how you got into this to begin with. Yeah, well, um, five years ago, my husband and I, we started uh, a business called Off the Grid Rentals, and that put us right in the mix of the Jeep world, off-road world. And uh, at that time, we started going to different Jeep events, um, Overland Expo, some different events, and meeting other people that are overlanding. And so I met some women uh, doing that. And then when this Rebel Rally was created, which is only was created three years ago, this is going to be the third rally, uh, people tagged me on Facebook. They're like, Deb, you need to do this. Deb, you need to do this. And actually, for me, when I read that I was going to be unplugged for seven days, I was like, that sounds amazing. (laughs) 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 I was like, that is exactly what I want. And uh, it's really what drove me. I mean, the part that scared me was... Uh, the off-roading and knowing that I wasn't an extremely experienced off-roader. Um, now I would say after four years and really getting into this, that, that has changed and I've improved and I feel like I've gotten a lot better. Um, I definitely was a beginner in the, you know, in the very early stages at that first one. So there's been a lot of development and I've grown a lot as a driver and grown a lot in the industry and like learned a lot about my vehicle and learned a lot about off-roading. So relatively new to us though, because we weren't off-roading until about five years ago. Well, let's go back. I, I'd like to know you guys grew up. Which one's the oldest? I am. You are? Okay. So, uh, well, we're only 18 months apart. Come okay. On. <laughs> I, I was going to say that because I couldn't tell you guys apart. That's why I asked. Were you from a car family? Did you have a background in vehicles? What 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 prompted this, Lori? Uh, no, no background in vehicles. I would say my parents are definitely not car people. Uh, we're from an actually family of five siblings. So we're two of the five. And at one point, I remember our Chevrolet Malibu with all five of us in the back seat. What year? You remember? Uh, that had to be about, I was 81, 82. Oh, one of those Malibus. Okay, so got five, it. Five Not the cool Malibu. <laughs> no, okay. Five got strapped it. in the back sharing seat belts. I mean, two to a seat belt, you know, no car seats back then. And you were teenagers back then, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Elementary years. Elementary years. Got it. Okay. Um, but no, not a car family. Okay. Uh, so, where did this come from? Where did the car thing come from? Uh, well, we started was uh, my husband's in the film industry, and he'd gone uh, for a long work stretch, and he came home from work one day, and he he actually has been a mechanic his whole life, and his brother owns a mechanic. He started off as a mechanic, and now he's a gaffer. Um, but he came home one day, and he just felt like buying something, and he was looking at Jeeps and he first was looking at these little two door Willie Jeeps. And I was like, what are you going to do with that? Like, who's going to go with you in a one, like a two seater car? You're going to leave me with the three kids and go. And so then we started looking and we looked at this Rubicon and there's this rad Rubicon and he just went out and got it. And that just opened the door to this whole adventure. Midlife crisis thing. Definitely. Okay, <laughs> yeah, got it. Definitely new. Although, I mean, like I said, my husband's in mechanics, but all the vehicles, all the off-roading, all that's very, very new to us. Yeah. What was your first car? Oh, a VW Rabbit, 1982, gold hatchback, very ugly and awful. (laughs) It was awful. It has a lot of stories. Uh, Yeah. Give me a good one. (laughs) Give me a good one. Okay. Uh, Well, one, well, well, there's two. It started off that we bought it. My dad bought it for me. My dad's not a car person. He's an engineer and very brilliant, but not 
with cars. Not a car person. And, so did you um, have any input into this? No. No. And okay. so he, we bought it. We It was $2,000 and I had to pay half of it with the money I'd earned. And he got a guarantee from the guy that it would last a week. And it lasted. I'm sorry. He got a guarantee would last a week. One week. That one was week. that was the warranty that he negotiated one for me warranty. with my thousand dollars. Okay. And two weeks later, the engine blew. <laughs> well, it survived the warranty. <laughs> it survived yeah. the warranty, right. and two weeks later, so we then had to get the engine block. So it was kind of notoriously a very ill-fated vehicle, and with a lot of problems. Uh, it, like the engine light used to like beep, and like as it, the engine would get hotter, it would get hotter and beep longer. So I had this little troll that I used to hang from my mirror, and we'd rub the hair to make sure the rabbit would get us to where we're going, which was normally the beach or you know mm-hmm. things like that. So, and then Lori took that vehicle over when I went to college. Ah, the hand-me-down Volkswagen. I did. Yes, it sat out front. I'm like that'll that'll get me to school and back. Uh-huh. And uh, there were times that I had to get jumper cables in the high school parking lot to get back from volleyball practice to home, and so. I, I knew the person that would jump me each time. Uh, it did get me to the beach and back a few times. And uh, You guys live close to the beach. We were lived in Mission Via, which is about 25 minutes, but mm-hmm. we had grown up in Huntington Beach. And ah, we're okay. very, and Lori's very connected to the beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, that was my place of work. So huh. it did it did get me there um, with some friends, but mostly to high what school What did you do? Uh, during my high school years, I was an ocean lifeguard. So I, you were a lifeguard. I was an ocean lifeguard. Oh wow! Uh, for about you, five summers. Why do you say ocean lifeguard? It makes because it sound it, like there's a difference. <laughs> there I mean, is a big difference. As opposed to a swimming pool lifeguard, and, as opposed to a lake lifeguard. Yes. Yeah, so I started out as a pool lifeguard, and um, being junior lifeguards, I was like, I wanted to become an ocean lifeguard. So I pursued that, and I, I did that for five summers during college. So it helped pay for a lot of things, but much yeah. more prestigious to be in. Ocean lifeguard. I actually married a lifeguard. Did you? He's been there 30 years. Wow. Talk about this car. You're going to be driving. The interesting thing about this car, it's a off-road vehicle, obviously, but it's your daily driver. Yes. Yeah. It's a 2012 LR4 Land Rover. Uh, We bought it four or five years ago. So we bought it um, under like the used warranty with Land Rover and it's gotten done amazing. It now has 88,000 miles and two rallies under its belt with no mechanical issues. Uh, we've done- uh, <laughs> Knocks on wood, yeah. <laughs> Knocks on the uh, picnic table that yes. we're at right now. <laughs> yes, um, it is something I'm like, it just gets getting older and more miles. So it's something that always gives me pause. Um, we're lucky that we are um, taken care of and sponsored by Anaheim Land Rover, Anaheim Hills. And uh, they just did a big look over my whole vehicle check, as they always do, and found that I needed to replace like two bushings, both bushing arms, and the wheel bearings. Just two bushings? <laughs> <laughs> two bushings, <laughs> yeah. Okay. The front two. And then, um, so we, you know, it, it's very, it's held up very well. We've upgraded it. We don't obviously don't have the 20-inch, like, street tires on there that come stock with it. Um, we have Falcon uh, Wild, Pe- Wild Peaks light truck tires and they're pretty beefy and big they're about 32 32 and three quarters big as far as size um we uh what else have we done well we actually uh, only other installs is a roof you know roof rack to keep things and otherwise the car is considered bone stock for the rally so not only are we competing in the four by four class but we will also compete in the bone stock class when you bought the car did you have this in mind, or what were you originally buying the car for? I was originally buying the car to keep up with my husband and the Jeep. So he was doing off-road in the Jeep, but I didn't want a Jeep. 
I wanted, I had gone from the Mercedes GL 450 and I was like, well, I need something that off-roads now because now we're going off-roading and I want to drive. And so I- Well, he wouldn't let you drive the Jeep? He lets me drive the Jeep, but we kind of fight over driving. <laughs> we we all fight over Jeep. driving. Boo. Like, oh, we're going to need. Come on, everybody. Boo, her husband. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we, um, well, I mean, when there's, you know, you're, we tend to do trails. So it's not like we're going out and like kind of hanging around. So it's either you do the trail or you don't do the trail. So you have to take turns. And so I like, I mean, now we've done some trips together where we both had both vehicles out there and they're a lot of fun. We've gone down to Baja with the trucks and mm-hmm. gone with the Jeep and gone up to Utah, Moab area. And it's pretty amazing. So you both take your vehicles and go? Sometimes. I mean, like we try like on the big trips that are going to be five days or more Then I want to take both vehicles because it's just more fun. Okay. And yours could be the pack mule, so to speak, and you could have all the stuff in it and he could be yeah, we- whizzing away, having ah. a good old time. No, actually, worry about all we that. whiz around in my both and between our three kids as well. Like they like to drive too. So between the five of us, even with two vehicles, everyone's fighting to drive. Okay. So. <laughs> all right. All right, Lori. So what do you, what's your regular daily driver? Um, I actually have a 2005 Toyota Sequoia and okay. uh, it's about 13 years old and I got it when my my daughter was born because I wanted something bigger to be safer and prior to that it was a, a an Acura Integra um, but my first car $6,500 Toyota Camry um, bought from the lot and uh, they tried to add in a tank of gas and we said hey we didn't buy the $76 gallon gas so you have to take it off $6,500 flat zero zero and I learned that negotiation with my dad as well and you set a price that was the price you guys draw a hard bargain there (laughs) so the vehicles you have I don't know if you could take a Toyota Sequoia and off-road it no but I could throw a bunch of surfboards boogie boards all sorts of swim equipment everything and all the kids too so see this is this is what's (laughs) interesting I find is is not only you guys are doing this but you're such different people I mean, you guys, one's into surfing, the other one's into off-roading and that kind of thing. All right, let's get to the to the whole heart of the matter here. You'd been doing this for three years. This I will ass- be my third year. So yeah. you were looking for a partner. The other partner wasn't available? Yeah, she, um, you know, it takes a lot to get into this rally. Um, it's, one, it's really expensive, the entry, and um, we just... My partner, well, my first partner um, was fantastic. They just, you know, both are busy and, not, mm-hmm. you know, not quite... Yeah, so I just... So what went yeah. through your mind when all of a sudden, gosh, i got to find somebody? And, well, and how did you glom on your sister? Actually, the, <laughs> the first year I did it when I was in the vehicle and navigating and Julie and I, both Julie and I decided we both wanted to be drivers as far as my first partner went. So both way more comfortable with driving than navigating. And I was... My, I kind of came to him like, Lori needs to do this. Like, my sister would be amazing at this. And I really wanted her. When I came back, I learned that she had been following. Because not only um, we do the rally, but you you as viewers can track us on the Rebel Live tracking sites. So uh, she was tracking our every move over the maps and watching us look for checkpoints, not get checkpoints in that case. Like, in the first rally, we only got 60% of our points, which, I mean, put us in the middle of the pack in standings. Um, but the next year we came back and got 85, 84% of our points. But, um, Very good. yeah, but again, that still put us in the middle of the pack at the bar just got, everyone got a lot better. And so it'll be interesting to see. I think the winners last year had 92% of their points, 94% of their points. What's the best finish you've ever had? Well, it was l- last year, 18th place overall. Very good. Now how yeah. many teams are in this? 
Uh, this year, there'll be 40 in the 4x4 four four class, I believe, about 40, and then five, I think, or six in the crossover class. Mm -hmm. So you can do this rally in your crossover. So the idea is, and Emily Miller, the creator of the rally, really wants people to use their daily driver in this rally, not to think that you need a special rally truck or a trophy truck or a huge investment. Um, a Subaru, there's Subaru Outbacks that are entered. Uh, a Toyota RAV4 could do this. Um, yeah, so there's like some small SUVs. Lori's Toyota Sequoia is not 4x4, so she would not be able to do that in that because it's a two-wheel drive. But if you have a four-wheel drive vehicle or an all-wheel drive vehicle, you can do the rally. So, Lori, your sister thinks of this idea to bring you in. What was your first thought when she mentioned it? Uh, actually... What happened was when she came back, uh, we, my, her husband and I, we were watching it and we were texting and I was watching the truck, but I didn't know the map and I didn't know the plotter. I didn't know a lot of information before she even left. I was more like, good luck. You're going on something amazing. I read you know, the quick online brief, but then when I learned how to watch it on the computer, I thought I learned, but then there was like other buttons that you push and you could see the trucks going and I was captivated. So I work from home. So I had one screen up tracking her, trying to figure out how, why did she not get the green or why did she know well, the blue and I didn't understand the black and so I was just texting back and forth with Nazar saying okay they're stuck they're stuck do you think they're gonna move and so I think by watching these and I I love Easter egg hunts and I swear every one of those checkpoints was like an egg and I'm like you gotta get it and um, we saw their points it's like a video system. game almost like right and I, you know, I think on day four, you know, th they had connected and she's like, Deb's all right. You know, I guess she, she phoned a friend. She phoned a husband on day four that day. And, and so you we, can do that. You could phone a friend. You, you can, you can phone a friend for like five bucks or three minutes, three minutes. and you put money in a jar for a satellite phone call home. So she phoned a friend, but then I was like, she's okay. It's day four. They're going to make it. And next and thing I, you're going <laughs> to tell me is Regis Philbin pops out in the middle right? of this and goes, you can win the money. No. And it was it was for moral support. But at that point, Deb had not known that I was watching her. And when she found out that I was watching her and that her husband, we were watching so closely, I think that that gave her inspiration to finish. And she got back and I said, we have to go to lunch. I need to know what you did because I was watching you and I couldn't even appreciate even the maps or the rulers or the compass because I didn't have a clue. And so when she was like, I think you need to do this. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, this is not for me. <laughs> I, and I said, and, and she was serious. And I'm like, no, I'm serious, too. Like, I love that you did this. And, and she said, I think, I think you should do this with me next year. And I had complete reservation that this I could not do and I actually said no I she asked me to do it the second year and and I couldn't say yes and I tried to you know come up with an excuse fight through the fear or figure out the mm -hmm. fear of why and mm -hmm. I, I just couldn't put my finger on it and there were there were reasons and I and I said no and she she was successful and found another great awesome partner and and did it again and and again, I wanted to, I watched every step of the way and, and Nazar had base camp at home with the computers and we would text and look, you know, and, and she knew we had our, our, you know, our support that year and the third year is coming up and, and she said this year, Lore, Lair, are you going to do it? She calls me Lair. And I said, no, I, I can't do this. And it was her birthday and we went out on her birthday night and she point blank was like, can you do this with me? And I, I, I didn't answer. 
And I then the like, alcohol no. began to flow, and uh... <laughs> not for me. I'm actually, I'm actually pretty, pretty good there. And I was like, no. And we left in June from that dinner, and I had not given her an answer. And I was on my way to a work meeting that I was late for, stressing on the 405 in traffic. And she called, and I'm like, she's gonna ask me again. It's August. Uh-huh. The race is in October. Uh-huh. And I was like, no. And we we chatted, and I couldn't figure it out. And and I, I was like, I can't leave. I can't leave. I have too many responsibilities. The responsible Lori was like, no, I can't do this. And I cried. And at the end of the phone call, I said, you have a teammate. And I got teary and I cried. On the and freeway. On the freeway, late to my meeting. And I said, you have a teammate. I got to go to my meeting. And You're she's like, are you now. serious? You're tearing up I now. am because it was a very emotional decision for me. Um, You're and both I hung tearing up, up now. And I, I feel like I should be tearing up now too. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> and so we what love each other. What was the big other. key emotion about it? I think knowing on that first trip, when she came back and said, "I needed my sister. I think this is for you." That never left me. And she knows me best. And thinking that that would be a match for me, through all of our differences and our life together. We went different paths, we did different things, but I think that really stuck with me, her knowing me saying that this is something you can do and I need you there. And I had to know that things were gonna be fine at home and there was never gonna be the perfect time to leave. And once I decided that and I hung up and I knew I had made her so happy, I felt such a relief making that decision. And. And then I was like, what the heck did I just do? And I like went in my meeting, I just signed up for something and I don't know what I signed up for. And so we kind of went in mock speed with literally less than two months to go. And she was at my house and we, I learned the compass and we got the maps out and I had to learn how to plot and find these longitude, latitude checkpoint. Like what, what, what do you, what happens when you miss a checkpoint? I want to know the mistakes because I'm the thinker and I don't want to miss one and I don't want to let her down. Deborah, what's, what's the emotional aspect of that for you? Well, I think, um, well, I'm just really stoked to get to do this with Lori. I mean, we haven't, we haven't spent this much time together since we were little kids. So to get to go play in the dirt together is going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's a vacation and I'm so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, I signed up for a vacation. This is awesome. (laughs) It's going to be a vacation with my sister, which we just haven't had, you know, we just, the two of us, like we've done lots of group things with our family. um, And so I just think it's going to be great for both of us. We're going to have a good time together. It's going to be a fun time. What do you see as Lori's biggest challenge for this? Oh, um, it's a lot of time. So both Lori's an amazing athlete. Like, so she is so strong. I look up to her like so much. Um, seven days competing. That was what I had to get my head around was how long seven days to compete is like 10 hours a day. Um, so, you know, in, <laughs> and I keep saying seven days. Um, cause I think tired food. Yeah, tired food, but it's just also kind of being on, being on. Like, I mean, we, I think both of us have done like lots of things where we've had to be on for three days, like with, you know, conventions or, you know, sales or things like that. Um, Seven days is a lot longer. Um, And then just to be on. And then, well, for me, my first time was the pressure of everyone watching us and having to perform. And then when we weren't, and then what I wanted to happen and not really happening, we want to go find all those checkpoints, right? When you don't find them, it's very hard to process that failure. And so I think I'm hoping, I, th- I feel we're both way more skilled than what I was when I first went into this. So I'm hoping that she's not going to experience that failure, but most likely we will experience failure. 
and uh, and to say failure is kind of a strong word, but it will feel like a failure when we don't get a checkpoint that we're expecting or if we don't make it to something on time. And to be able to process that and just to keep going and stay with good spirits and be able to continue going, like if that happens on day two or day three, um, and you know, and just kind of keep going and being able to keep going. We're talking to Deborah Najem and Lori Millat of uh, Team 116 Omada Adventure, and uh, they are going to be driving a 2012 Land Rover uh, at the uh, Rebel Rebel Rally. Thank you. I, there's so many different ways you could say that. There That's is. why I, before yes. we started this interview, I said, we just went through like five of them. And I'm just like, please just say the right one. Bell. So Bell like woman because it's an all No, I got that. Rebel. But I, I was just trying to. I, no, I thought you was all a rebel thing. And you guys were trying to <laughs> rebel, against, rebel against everybody. Um, that too. That too. <laughs> and uh, the race is actually going to get started as this airs on uh, our podcast. It's October 11th, and you guys get to go eight days. And it's not like you guys get to drive in the sand for a while and then retire to the Hilton. You guys are going to be actually camping out there. Um, do you make your own food? Do they have a, a how does that work? Yeah, we're really lucky. Um, we do camp on our own, so we bring our own tents and we're self, we're camping in that sense of our sleep and we're responsible for that. But we have a chef that comes in, Michelin chef. His name is Drew Deckman. He has this amazing restaurant in Guadalupe, Mexico, and he has the whole catering truck there. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner are catered by them. And then we have, uh, at each camp, there's this beautiful like white tent and they decorate it and they make you, so when you come in after the end, Day. That's one thing I would have to say is um, it has been impressed me about the event is how amazing the staff is and how welcoming they are and how like high spirited they are and just everything about that part. I knew actually Lori would really enjoy that. We've done lots of events where we've done things or races and felt that the directors or whatnot like could care less if you were there or not, but that's not the case in this rally. So it's very special in that sense. I think we're lucky. Um, that it's in California. There's teams that come from all over the world to do this. And the fact that it's right in our backyard and only takes us one day to get to our first day where there's some teams that are getting three or four travel days on both sides to get their vehicles across from New York or the East Coast or some of them. We had one team bring a car from France last year. So, yeah, so it's, yeah, we're lucky that it's right here. I, I actually had the privilege to do my first training with the Rail Bell team, and I, I describe the event being new to it as you're paying for a five-star adventure. So even though you're doing the work, I, I felt like this is five-star service. I loved seeing the pictures, the camp that they set up, and just on the training alone, how well we were treated and cared for. Um, made such an impression on me. I, I, I felt like they all wanted us to be successful and they were going to teach us to be successful. So just on that training alone a few weeks ago really opened my eyes on what this experience might be like and I'm glad I'm signed up. You can see uh, some of the uh, highlights from last year's uh, rally on YouTube, and I believe it's also on Facebook. And they show some of the various types of vehicles. They have cars, uh, off-road vehicles like yours, which is basically a stock Land Rover. Uh, they have Dodge pickups. They have all sorts of the Jeeps, as you could imagine. What's the oddest car that you remember over the last two years? Strangest looking? Wow. Um, not any strange ones. The, I mean, we had the... Uh, the Bronco last year, which was a, gosh, it was in the, 
it wasn't in the 40. We do have a class in the Rebel called the 40 year plus class. This year, well, last year, um, there was a Wagoneer, a Jeep Wagoneer that entered, but she wasn't able to finish the rally. And so she was in that class. But then the next one, I think it was. I want to say it's a 67 or a 77 Bronco, but it's a beautiful Bronco. One of the original would, yeah, Broncos. Yeah, yeah, but I would say that was the most unusual vehicle, but not definitely not weird. And there are no, I wouldn't say any weird vehicles in this rally. There, um, No guy driving we, around in a 62 Lincoln with really fat tires no, and knobbies not, or nothing something. nothing like that. Okay. No, no gambler stuff. Like, have you heard about the gambler rally? <laughs> no, rally? I have not. Oh, that's a pretty, you would actually, you should like, yeah, that's a really neat rally. Okay. Like, that's, yeah, that's a four-wheel drive rally that takes place and it's called the gambler. And, and, it, and they, and it's all about anything like, goes. Yeah, it's a well. You're supposed to use a one thousand dollar vehicle. It, oh, yeah. yes. Wow. But I mean, the but the rules are, and it's funny. He made this graph because the rules are technically a one thousand dollar vehicle, but the rules are the more fun, the more money you can spend. So. It's one thousand dollars, but it's not really a thousand dollars. But it's supposed to be creepy, weird, like kind of crazy. Like these Miatas are out there four wheeling. Four wheeling Miatas. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I think we're gonna Which, have to do that show. Uh, so that'll be a later talking about cars, right there. I'd like, I like to that. build a Miata for that race. That'd be fun. Well, have you seen? I and I, have to, I think it was actually at the OC Fair um, cruising for a cure show that we've done some stuff with, and there was a guy there with a Pinto. That had really huge tires, and it right. was basically raised, you know, at least about a foot or two. So it's like, yeah. but those kind of cars would probably be that's, seen in something like that's that. That's what you would do that. I mean, in this rally, because it's seven days, um, and also you're trying to do precision navigation, so you really need to go where you want to go. Like having just a, a car that, well, one, like having a car that would fall apart over seven days, I don't think is a very good idea. No. You know, so... No. Um, it's a little bit, yeah. So the vehicles in here are, are like top class vehicles. They're not, you know, and a lot of them, a lot of the Jeeps have a lot of investment in the Jeeps that are in that are in the rally. Toughest part of the rally for you as a driver? Is there an area specifically? For me, the dunes are, you know, that's the part that gives me a lot of, a lot of pause. Like Glamis. We do. Uh, last year, we were both in Dumont Dunes and in Glamis. Uh, in Glamis on the seventh day last year, we were in a whiteout sandstorm. So we had to make decisions um for example, our first checkpoint, we passed it, but we also knew we had also been given instruction to be prepared to sleep in the dunes if we got stuck. That, you know, like we brought our sleeping bags, we shut down our tents, like, and so it was if you're stuck out there, hunker down and stay out there until we can come get you if you land up in a witch eye or something dangerous. So, um, especially with Lori, I think <laughs> this year, uh, the dunes are always going to give me pause because you can just make a you can make a critical mistake. You could fly over the top. You could you know and land up rolling rolling the vehicle you can get yourself in a roll position i think that's that's the, not good that's the area that that could happen um so i you know one is like one of the things that emily the director always says is that navigators can get you lost but drivers can take you out of the rally so if i take us out of the rally even on you know by driving like recklessly or not you know not being a precision driver the, so that's something like i'm always like thinking about the other vehicles in the rally and my navigator and ourselves in the vehicle and protecting all those things at all times. So you too, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on you as well, just to make sure that the vehicle stays upright and, and you're going through some very tough yes. uh, scenarios. Yeah. In the first rally, two vehicles crashed um, in the dunes on the day four. So um, one was the most experienced driver in, in the rally. She went over a dune and, um, you know, so that gave, we all came back into that first green checkpoint, which is kind of your staging points. And there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of anxiety. And when I saw that, you know, that this really experienced driver can make a mistake because she's, you know, just focusing on getting the checkpoint and not, you know, and making, making an error. And that 
for someone with that much experience can make that kind of error. Like, cause you're like, okay, this, this can happen. So one day along the line, you're going to probably want another vehicle. And, and I know this is your daily driver and it didn't start off to be this kind of uh, vehicle. So we always ask some of our people we talk to the top three or five cars uh, that you want that's on, currently on my on Deborah's I want that car list. I want to build my own. I want a Land Rover Defender and I want to build out a Defender and I really want to put it in that 40 plus class and compete the Rebel Rally. Oh, like an older one. Yeah. Like one of well, the original Well, because there's that class there's a class that's I forget what they're calling it now. It's the it's something cup anyway. It's like the the old cup and anyway, you can enter that class and I just think that would be amazing um, to build something out for that. I think that would be a really fun experience. Plus my husband, he's Gosh, he's like our fourth teammate. We we call the Land Rover, like, you know, my LR4, the third teammate. My husband is our fourth teammate. Plus, we've got so much support from uh, Rebel Off-Road, like my sponsors and all this stuff. So, I, you know, to bring all these people in, even though they're not on the rally, to build something over the year would be really fun. Lori, what's on your uh, list of cars that are on my Lori, I want that list? Um, For me, cars have never been a a wish-want list, but I think... I think we all know I've always wanted a Range Rover and it's white and I've seen it there, but I won't pull the trigger. Other things come before it. But even my son who's 10 has said, ask me, when are you going to get your Range Rover? And maybe now that you're, you're driving with Aunt Deb, you'll get one. And uh, I think there's just always other things that come before it for me. Laura, is she the most sensible uh, in the family? <laughs> She is by far the most sensible out of the five siblings, <laughs> which is why she's going to be amazing on this. Oh, no. Too Nerves much pressure. of steel. I get a funny. Is that what it is? Nerves of steel? Uh, I, Compared to everybody else? I think my mind is just so logical. Like, I want to know, and it's always working. Uh, and so that's why I want to know everything that goes wrong, because I want to know how to prevent it. And so there is pressure, because... Uh, I, do, I want to do well, but my sister also said, m- making sure you have fun on this is my priority. And we both know that we want to win. We're super competitive. That's what, that's who we are. I mean, we've done sports and we want to win. So we'll be like, let's finish. That would be a success, but let's win too. Um, and so we, we, we're not shy to say that. I mean, we're competitors. And so I, I want to get them. I want to, and, and practicing and knowing that I got a few with her already, she took me to Johnson Valley and it was like, oh my gosh, I'm off-roading. Like my first trip a month ago, we went to Johnson Valley. It was a two hour drive. And I was like, where, where, where do we find one? I had no idea what we had to do. And so we, we plotted it and she's like, let's drive there. I'm like, where are we going? And, and I found it and I was so excited and we checked it and we, we had our phone then so we could actually check it and I found it and like FaceTime my kids, I found my first checkpoint. I mean, that's, that's how new it was for me or is for me. And so then we said, let's find another one. And I didn't want to leave. I mean, her husband came, uh, Sarah, my, my niece came to kind of take some video and I didn't want to leave. And I, I came back and had to look at the map again and said, where is this other one? I need to go. She's going to have way so much fun at this. You just can, so, you can tell about the enthusiasm. She's going to like I know. this. She's going to love it. So I do want to have fun, and uh, that's a priority. Tell me a little bit about how people will be able to find you in place, because obviously by the time we air this, uh, that Thursday morning, what time do you start, by the way, October 11th? October 11th is day zero, and we'll be making our way to rally school that day and doing like a test day zero. They'll be giving us a road book, and we'll get to, that's another part of this rally. Not only do we find checkpoints, but we also compete in this thing called Enduros, which which is a rally 
roadbook. So day zero will be the roadbook and rally school where they'll go over all the rules and regulations and safety that we um, have. But we start, I believe, at eight in the morning that morning. And then we go off the grid and go dark on the 12th. So we will turn in our phones. They'll get locked up and taped with security tape. When we check in every day, they'll check our box to make sure that- This sounds so NASA. (laughs) Our car gets impounded. They're behind the moon now. We won't be able to hear from them for eight days. And then- and so you can follow us on Amada Adventure on my Instagram. That keeps my husband will be keeping us up to date. And then the Rebel O-M-A-D-A Rally. A D A Adventure. Go ahead. Yeah. And then the Rebel Rally. If you go to rebelrally.com slash live, you'll see all the um, all the tracking for all the teams and our rankings. And you can keep up to date with the photos and our team specifically on Amada Adventure. And we'll also link that on our social media, talking about cars on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, also Twitter. So you can keep an eye and uh, follow them for what's going on uh, in this race. Um, How do people find out more about this rally if they want to check things out and and get a little history? On rebelrally.com. So R-E-B-E-L-L-E. R-A-L-L-Y.com. And you could go there and you can find out about registration and how to do it. When we get back, Lori and I really do want to host a welcome back with the director, Emily Miller, and invite people that are interested to do the rally, especially from the LA, Orange County, Southern California area, because we think there's a lot of women out there that just need to like learn about this and get out there and do it. One other thought, and that's uh, what what team is the came from the farthest away that you know of? You mentioned New York. We had a team from New Zealand last year. We also had a team from France, and we had a competitor from Japan. And I believe we still have a we have a competitor from Japan again this year. They ship their own car out. it, the gal from Japan, she rents from Barlow uh, Jeeps. You can rent Jeeps if you don't have a 4x4. Oh. We had, there's a whole, yeah, and Nina Barlow uh, has a whole fleet of Jeeps, and she's ama- she's been amazing on this rally. She's done her own. She's uh, She won second place last year, and uh, she's put a lot of women into Jeeps. Uh, there's a gal from Canada, Michelle Lombrasi, who won the International Cup last year, who rents Jeeps from her. Um, so you can rent a and Jeep. And Nina is from where? She's in Sedona, Arizona, and she has a couple different locations in between Utah and Arizona for her Jeeps. For next year, it's something to think about right now and to be making plans. Like while Lori decided two months ahead, not we really, that there's I, anything well, wrong. There with was that. Took three years. It took two years of thinking. So <laughs> don't take that long. <laughs> don't take that long. Decide to do it this year and make plans to do it. But because um, there's never a good time. I think you've learned that. There's never going to be like all everything's going to be perfect for you in your life and. I, I mean, and this is what I told Lori is like, if there, if in our lives that we can't disconnect for seven days and we need to evaluate that, like, you know, cause we should be allowed to take seven days, eight days to ourselves without being connected and enjoy some time without being connected. So I'm like, well, that needs to be evaluated if you really feel you can't do that. Is there prize money involved in this? You, if you are the first place winner, you get your registration for next year, which is $12,000. All right. <laughs> Let's <Yeah>. do that. <laughs> Let's do that for next year. The rest of you, with, forget with, it. You're I mean, without them. our sponsors, though, this year, um, Deb has developed some amazing relationships with the sponsors over the last couple years. And, and without those, it would have been even harder for me to say yes at the 11th hour. Mm-hmm. And so I think a huge thanks goes out to those and all the work she put in. I mean, she's really 
she's really marketed Amada Adventure and uh, just visiting our Instagram page, getting a taste of what we're doing is enough for you to say, wow, this is cool. I, I told my friends at work and they immediately followed us and they're they're intrigued. And so I'm actually doing a, a send off with my work people on Monday so they could actually see the map and the compass. Everything that I didn't see when I watched her, I'm going to show them on Monday at work and they're going to hold down the fort for me. Uh, there's, there's a lot of work going on right now and, and they're going to back me up. So a lot of people to make this possible for us. Deborah and A. Jim and Lori Malott of the upcoming Rebel Rally. Again, you can keep track of their progress at rebelrally.com. That's R-E-B-E-L-L-E. And check out our Talking About Cars social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, which we'll put up to follow their progress over the eight-day run of the race. Now, there are a lot of cool cars out there, but few are known by their name. How about this custom? It's a Ford Model A with an Oldsmobile engine called... Rodriguez. If you saw it once, you'll never forget it. And it's completely custom. Its owner is Southern California resident Chuck Schwicker, and it's for sale. But first, Chuck joined Bob Beck and myself at Cruising for a Cure in Orange County and talked about how he came across the car some 13 years ago. My oldest son and I were at a cruise place in Torrance called Ricky and Ronnie's. And about seven o'clock that night, uh, Rodriguez pulled in there and First time I seen it, and he backed into a stall and dropped it to the ground, and everybody went over and started taking pictures, including me. And uh, my son started talking to the owner, and about 15, 20 minutes went by, and he come over and he says, hey, Dad, he says, the guy's from Japan. He's been cruising this thing for last 10 months, and he says, you gotta go back. You don't wanna spend five grand to ship it back. It's for sale. Well, that was like music to my ears, because this thing was like nothing I've ever seen in my life. And like I say, after looking at it for only uh, 15, 20 minutes, I'm making this guy a cash offer on this car. And I don't know how my son happened to get so much information out of him because he didn't speak English very good at all. And I didn't speak Japan, so Japanese rather. But uh, I took a grocery receipt out of my pocket. I wrote my name, phone number, and a price tag on it. And I says, here, call me. I got cash. Well, three days later, I get a phone call. A guy had already left for Japan. And his buddy said they were willing to take my offer five miles from my house. Wow, that's great. Now that car is very unique. For those people that aren't seeing it, obviously, when we talk, can you explain, because you said it's the most unusual car you'd ever seen, Model A, but it is totally unique. Well, it's, it's a 1930 Model A two-door sedan. Uh, it's totally customized. Uh, about the only thing that's recognizable as a Model A is the shell itself. Other than that, it has a custom-built front end. Uh, the headlights are actually 59 Cadillac bumper ends. The rear taillights are 58 Chevy grill uh, parking light, turn signal. Uh, it's been wedge cut on the top, uh, four inches in the front, stock height in the back. It's got custom bucket seats in it, a custom chopped down steering wheel, which is very practical too. It lets you get in and out of the car very easy. And it's got uh, steel fenders and running boards like no other. It made the impression that they were floating and I think he nailed it. Now also it has an Oldsmobile engine? It's got a 49 Olds 303. Yeah, it, and I love telling the younger folks out there that when that engine first come out, it was so popular with the hot rodders, they were stealing the cars just to pull the engines out. <laughs> yeah. And it was one of the high performance cars of the day. The Rocket 88, the Oldsmobile motor, that predated Ford's overhead valve, it predated Chevy's overhead valves, and it was the engine and the car to beat. Oh yeah, you went from a, a flathead Ford at 85 horsepower to a 49 Olds at 135 with that hydromatic, 
and if they did what they called beefing them up, they, those things, when they shift, they would snap your head off. Wow. And for those of you in the younger set, in an era where we don't know what the Oldsmobile is, the Oldsmobile, General Motors had their five cars at the time. Now they're only down to Chevy, Buick, and Cadillac. Back in the day, it was Cadillac, Buick, Oldsmobile, Pontiac, and Chevy. Pontiac's gone. Oldsmobile was kind of like a high-performance, more of a luxury kind of vehicle. That's that's correct, and, and it's, it's sad in a way to see those cars go, but I think with some of the newer versions that are coming out, especially with the Fords and, and uh, Chevys and the Camaros, I just love those type cars. People buy cars, even some of them that have been customized, and they always want to do their little thing. What was your little thing on the Rodriguez, or did you do anything different? Well, nothing that's a major change at all. I don't dare change anything on it, Randy, because it, it's so it's such a famous car. Uh, on the valve covers, it says Ohl's Rocket on it, and it's in, in, it, there's an impression of the Ohl's Rocket. When I got the car, that was all painted one color, so it really didn't pop. So I had a pinstriper fill that in. Now that really pops. Uh, the only other thing that I had to do was I had to change the upholstery because the upholstery faded out and I looked at probably a thousand fabrics and I finally found one that I really think complements the car and that's about the only things I've done to the car. All right, you've been, dri you've been driving it, you've taken it to shows almost everywhere and it's got a lot of notoriety over the years. Oh yes, it's, I mean, I've, I've won so many awards and I'm so appreciative of it. what I'm doing now. If I go to a show that I, especially if I've been to it before or it's a small show at, a, let's say a high school or something, I put for display only in it. And I let, I, I, that is disqualifying me for any awards that might be given. I figure, you know, let somebody else uh, have the awards. I've, I've been there and done that. And you've, you've, you've done it quite a few times. You take that all over. You've got a special trailer to haul it in right now. I, we saw this yesterday morning. Yeah, I had to, I just, well, unfortunately and fortunately, last year, uh, day before Christmas, my 16-foot uh, enclosed trailer that I was hauling her was stolen out of the uh, storage yard I had it. And so luckily I had insurance on it. And I was able to uh, have a custom-built trailer this time. And this one's really cool. It's got the dovetail on it. It's got the dropped axles. It sits low to the ground. And this way, when I load the car, I don't have to put the back end of my uh, truck on ramps to get the right angle to it. I just drive it in there and it's perfect. Now, I understand you're going to sell it, if not have already? No, it, it, it is up for sale, like I say, next year or next month, I'll have it 13 years. And I'm just really starting to slow down a lot. I can feel it in my bones. And I told the wife, now is the time to uh, think about selling it. All right, now, are you going to replace it with something? No. I, I had... Uh, Five years ago, I sold my 64 Studebaker Avani, my R2 uh, car that I love very much, but it kind of got ignored because of Rodriguez. And fortunately, it went to a, a man in uh, Oxnard, California, uh, David Neal. And a year after I sold it to him, he wrote me an email telling me how much he appreciated me selling him the car. And he told me he happened to buy uh, the Murphy Museum in Oxnard, and that's where the car is now. Thanks for listening, and please share our show on social media. Subscribe, it's absolutely free. Leave a comment, and if you're on iTunes, rate us and review us. Thanks in advance for helping our podcast grow. 
Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And by the way, go to our social media accounts and wish my pal Bob Beck a speedy recovery. He is recovering from triple bypass heart surgery. That's not something that's easy to do. And again, we hope to see him up and about and joining us again here on Talking About Cars real soon. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars. Cars.